It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well stay. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Please won't you be, please won't you be, please won't you be my neighbor? Good morning, neighbors. How are we? Are we good? Excellent. Well, today is part two of a little series that I'm working on. It's Won't You Be My Neighbor? Okay? Last time we were together, we talked about the importance of reaching out to our neighbors. And so I want to continue that theme a little bit today and try and give you some practical steps on what it looks like to take care of our neighbors. So our verse, key verse today is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. It says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give you a snake? If you then, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, the implications of this text are far and many. The first one being that God is good. Okay? You might even say he's a good, good father. Right, Dave? Yeah. God, you might say that God responds to our needs and our desires. We might even say that we trust ourselves more than God, even though we have a worse track record than he does. And the last one, you might even take this simple lesson from this text, is that kids like to get fish as gifts. Thank you, your Christmas shopping is done, courtesy of one of your elders. But I couldn't help but look at this text in light of the greatest commandments that Jesus gave us, and that's to love God and to love your neighbor. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, but John, this text doesn't really say anything about our neighbors. So I'm hoping you're going to work with me a little bit. There was a preacher that I follow by the name of Brian Mavis, and he tells of coming to the realization, as I have myself, he was looking at his kids and he thought to himself, I always thought that I would be a better dad. Mavis says, it's not that I'm a bad dad, it's just I'm not the kind of dad that I thought or imagined for my kids. I, wanted to, I want to be a better dad. So Mavis came up with a plan on how to become a better dad for his kids. And it revolves around four words that rhyme. And because he's a preacher, he wanted to make it simple and easy to remember. 
And so he came up with these four words, and the four words are stay, pray, play, and say. The first word is stay. He determined that he had spent so much that he spends so much time in his own world that he wasn't spending enough time in theirs. He wasn't being there physically, or he was there physically, but not emotionally or intentionally present. He shares the story of letting his kids off at the at the park. And so he goes and he grabs a seat over by where the kids are playing. And so he takes out his phone and he answers a text, he sends a couple texts, he looks on Facebook, he turns around and calls his brother and he calls his mom and then all of a sudden he realizes that it's probably time to go. He looks up, where's my kid? There he is. Come on, son, let's go. Get in the car. We've got to go. Was he there? Was he staying? He was sort of checked out. The key is to be physically, mentally, intentionally, and emotionally present. It boils down to little things, such as listening. When my 24-month-old granddaughter tells me a story, I listen intently. The second thing it boils down to is being interested. And sometimes that's simply a choice, not just hearing what is said, but generally being interested in what someone says. The second thing is to pray. Mavis said, I've always prayed for my daughters. I've prayed for them their whole life. But I wanted to be more intentional on praying for them. Mavis was surprised that how much easier it was to pray when he was doing stay. Because he stayed in their world, he was much more aware of their particular needs and particular stresses. When he went to intercede for them in prayer, he knew exactly what to intercede about. And his prayers became less general and more specific. Prayer is always a great barometer of our our own spiritual health. Don't neglect it. So you have stay and you have pray. And the third one is play. Mavis said, my kids never said to me, Dad, you're so intentional. My kids never said to me, Dad, you are very spiritually mature. Mavis recalls one time he was talking to his eight-year-old daughter in the middle of a a piddle fight. I really said that, didn't I? In the middle of a pillow fight, His daughter said, Dad, I love how much fun you are. Playing is important. It's part of being there. Here's one thing I think. Is that the age of cell phones with cameras and video capabilities have all but eliminated 
um, our ability to be completely goofy, okay? We don't seem to have a lot of fun anymore because we don't want any evidence of us being goofy around, right? Last night I was searching around YouTube last night and I saw, came across a video of an amazing young guy singing Christmas carols with one of those weird plastic things that you put in your mouth and it expands it up and down and wide. It was amazing. Being goofy and playing, that's the things we remember. That is the time well spent. And finally, say. He wanted to speak into their lives. Certain things, Mavis would say, I want to speak into my children's lives. He says, I want them to know every day that I love them. Secondly, I want to communicate my values regularly. I'm a math major. I'm not an English major, okay? I want to regularly communicate my values to them even when I think they are obvious and couldn't possibly be missed. Regularly communicate your values to your children. And third... I want to communicate to my children the gospel so that they may know God's love and grace. And I know what you're thinking. Gee, John, those are some really cool thoughts. This is a great sermon, thanks. But yet I can't help think about what Mavis said when he says, I later realized that these four habits, stay, pray, play, and say, can be applied to any relationship to enrich it and make it more like the kind of relationship that God calls us to with the people around us. So what would it look like if we use these four principles with regards to loving our neighbors? And how do we put practical steps on how we are to love our neighbors? So I want you to think in these terms for just a few more minutes. First of all, in regards to your neighbors, I want you to stay. Here's what I think. There are two types of people in the world, okay? And when they walk into the room, it becomes apparent. The first person walks into the room and says, here I am. The second type of person says, there you are. Okay, one wants to be interesting, here I am. The other wants to be interested, oh, there you are. Here's what else I find interesting is that people who are interested often are interesting. People who are interested are often interesting. And when I start with the mindset of there you are, then I'm staying in their world. I want to give you a real easy conversation starter to help you with this. 
okay? To do it better. And I'm not a master of it by any means or stretch of the imagination. But if you're talking to someone and they say anything really, and you want to try to get into their world, here's a really good question for them. Are you ready? Tell me more about that. When someone says, boy, it's been a really stressful week at work, tell me more about that. I'm not prying. I'm not threatening. It simply invites themselves, or invites them to be themselves. Let me tell you more about that. Those lions, huh? Tell me more about that. It fits. It works. It invites them to share. You see, the practice of stay is all about the other person's story and your opportunity to learn it. Think about it. When my son says, I know what I want for Christmas, oh really, tell me more about that. When my neighbor says, my job is really stressful, oh, tell me more about that. I want to stay in their world and hear from them and their part of the story. I want to learn that. And that means I have to start cocooning or stop cocooning and practice something like companionship. Companionship is made from two Latin words. And the little word in the middle of companionship, pan, means simply bread. So literally, companionship means to share bread with someone. And here's what I find. The people that we share bread with are the ones that we become friends with and love most dearly. So I want you to stay with your neighbors. The second thing I want you to do is pray with your neighbor, or for your neighbor. Love your neighbors by praying for them and interceding for them on their behalf. I find that most people don't mind being prayed for. As a matter of fact, they tend to appreciate it, even if they are not a person of prayer themselves. Most of you have been influenced by influential ministers that when you go out to a restaurant, you're encouraged to ask your servers, is there anything that I can pray for you about? I'm simply, and I like that. I'm simply asking you to do the same thing for your neighbors. Or if they share something like, I'm not sure what's going on, but my daughter missed three days of school. Well, let me pray for you about that. The third thing is to play. Love your neighbors by showing joy and hospitality. Have them over. Or better yet, go over to their place if they invite you. I think it's necessary that we give up some sort of home field advantage and allow our neighbors to pour into our lives as well. I believe that God calls us to make their home a tool for God's kingdom as well as our own. 
We, we do that by going to their parties, going to their things. You can really grow a relationship through play. Your neighbor may not want to come to your in-home Bible study. That's okay. But they might come over to watch the game today. To swim. To play cards. To go out and play in the snow. Or to sit in a warm place and have hot chocolate while their kids are playing in the snow. Or they may come over and binge watch Lord of the Rings, all 27 hours, director's cut, add-ons. You're going to play, so why not simply ask your neighbors to come and play also? So you have stay, and you have pray, and you have play, And finally, you have say. God wants us to say. God wants us to love our neighbors enough to share the gospel with them. Remember how the practice of stay was about their story? Say is all about your story. You're supposed to share it. Here's what I find, that most people will reveal in a conversation just about as much as the other person will reveal. Most of us, when talking, will go take the conversation where the other person naturally goes. So if I share my personal struggles, okay, I've shared quite often my my struggles with my self-esteem. Here's what I find. That if I'm open enough and vulnerable enough to share my shortcomings, oftentimes the person I'm talking to will share something as well. We need to be willing to to share about our vulnerabilities and challenges as as well as our interests and hobbies. To go a little deeper, to get to the marrow of some things. I believe it was the great philosopher Forrest Gump who said, when you go to the zoo, always take food to feed the animals. Even though the signs say, do not feed the animals. It wasn't the animals that put the sign there. Think about it. I think often we refrain from having spiritual conversations is because somewhere, somehow, somebody put up a sign that says you should refrain from having spiritual conversations. But what I've found is that most people are willing to have a spiritual conversation as long as they don't feel threatened or bullied. So when you talk about Jesus, when you say remembering the three things that Mavis said that he wanted to communicate to his daughters. I love you. These are my values. I hope you know the gospel. But how do you do it? 
How do you say to the neighbors, I love you, these are my values, I hope you know the gospel? I want to give you some practical tips. The first one is don't force it. Let it be natural. Here's what I found. That in my life, the faith in my life is not super spiritual. It is actually really down to earth and mundane. My willingness to see what God is doing in the everyday stuff around me, that's the most useful part of my faith. Not just in the rare, super spiritual moments that mark the highlight points, and you will share those, but in the everyday conversations or the everyday going on about me being alive in Christ. My life is an everyday walk with the one I love and the one who loves me most. And if someone begins to talk to me about life, then it normally and naturally will come up. Not because I Jesus juke this conversation into something super spiritual, but because of who I am and what is fundamentally connected to who I am. And what I value has a way of reaching my conversations naturally. So if I value video games, you don't have to talk to me long before we'll eventually end up talking about video games. If I value music, it won't be long before we have a conversation about the bands I like and I don't like. And if I value Detroit Lions football and believe they still have a chance to get to the playoffs, it won't be long before it works its way into a conversation that we have. If I value my everyday walk with Jesus, you won't have to talk to me very long before that becomes pretty evident and I bring that up. I don't have to force it. I don't have to shoehorn it into a conversation. I just have to be myself. And I am going to talk about the one I love. Just like I'm going to talk about my wife, who on Tuesday we spend or celebrate 31 years together. Just like I'm going to talk about my wife, I'm going to talk about my Lord as also. The second one, the second tip. Not every spiritual conversation has to be one that ends with a baptism and full conversion. Don't sweat that. Just share. Here's another idea. Listen to your neighbor's lives. Listen to their hurts and fears and their hopes. Listen to their life and share Jesus in light of those things. But this one is really important too. 
If they say something false about Jesus in the church, you can make corrections. However, make them gently and not defensively. Make it in a way that doesn't embarrass them. If they say something you don't agree with, like churches are just out for money, you're allowed to say, you know, that hasn't been my experience in the church I attend. Tell me more about that. See what I did there? Did you catch it? Tell me more about that. If they say Jesus was a great guy, but he was just a good guy, you can say, you know, I don't think that's all of what Jesus is. And I would love for you to tell me more about that. You're allowed to make these corrections, but make them in a gentle way, in a loving way, and to make them in a, I'm still interested with you, even though we may disagree, I'm still interested in you sort of way. And lastly, trust God with the results. Your job is not to fix your neighbors. You're simply not capable of doing that. My job, or our job, is to love them enough that by spending time with us, they will come into the presence of God and they will be fixed by God. That's my goal. And when I commit myself to saying the gospel in real ways and in ways that they hear and in ways that speak into their lives, then those relationships become great opportunity for us to have conversations that are not just me trying to convince them that I'm logically correct, but they can see that we can have life in Christ and without Christ, they do not have life, at least how they want it. So what I'd say is when you stay and when you pray and when you play and when you say, that you are taking the opportunity to see what God has done with us and for us and to go and do likewise. God sent his son to stay with us and he breathed out the spirit of God to stay with us and Jesus prayed with us and he prayed for us. And Jesus went to our parties even when spiritual people say, you shouldn't go to parties with people like that. And when Jesus spoke, he would say, here is the truth about God. I hope you believe it. I'm asking you to watch what God has done and to put that into practice with every relationship that you're around. Remember back in Matthew 7, verse 11. It says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? So even if you, though you are evil, 
Know how to be a good neighbor. Have you ever thought about being so radically committed to Jesus and to Jesus' presence that in your everyday staying, praying, playing, saying lives, that God becomes the neighbor of your neighbors? Not just you, because you know how to do it well, but God knows how to do it better. Can you make the space, can you be in the presence of God to the point that when your neighbors see your house, they see and experience God in their midst? Because God is good and God is faithful. Amen? And he has been the best neighbor, he has been the best neighbor ever to us. So let's make it a point to share him with our neighbors and others as we love God and love our neighbors. Let's pray. God in heaven, I just thank you. I thank you for how you have put us where you've desired us to be. That that you have given us the mission field of our neighborhoods. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and the ability and the conviction to share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. That when we talk to our neighbors, it doesn't have to be some super spiritual conversation. Let it just flow naturally from us. So that the one who loves me most and the one I love the most, becomes evident to all those around. Father, help us to to be bold enough to love enough, to desire enough that you as our neighbor would become the neighbor of our neighbors. Father, we know that if we are going to change the community for all eternity, if we are to take the gospel where we live, work, and play, that it starts today. Forgetting what we've done in the past and our past failures, that doesn't define us. But what defines us is you. You have made it known to us that we have value, that we have strength, that we have time, and we have talent. So, Father, I'm asking that you allow us to take those tools that you've given us, to take them into our neighborhoods, to change our neighborhoods, so that they will see who you really are and realize that you are good. You have been so good to us in the past. And we look forward to anticipation of how good you will be to us in the future. So Father, I simply ask a special blessing on this congregation. 
that you would continue to strengthen us, that you would continue to bless us beyond anything that we could think and imagine, that you would give us your grace. And it's in your son's sweet name I pray. Amen.